The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Basu, your host, and today I have Jim Longo joining me, who is the Chief Strategy Officer and co-founder of Discuss. Hi, Jim. Hi. It's great to be here, Seema. Thank you for making the time. I love your purple background, too. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. Jim, you've had such an amazing career in the research sector. Can you give us an idea, just overall idea of your background and how you got to this point in your career? No, happy to do that. Yeah. You know, I got involved in qualitative research early on, you know, basically as a recruiter. Yep. And at some point after my college career, I ended up doing executive interviewing and moderating. So uh, I took that charge and jumping real far ahead then into uh, early 2000s when online qualitative started to make its stake and ma- mainly text based types of conversations happening using bulletin boards and live focus groups and so forth. I joined Harris Interactive when they went through their IPO in 1999, and they were primarily a quantitative company known for the Harris poll. Yeah. And Gord Black at the time really made a bet that he can move the industry to online. Okay. And we all know what has happened to, yes. you know, in the last 20, <laughs> 22, 23 years, but no one had really take, put a stake in the ground on qualitative research. So I had been previously involved in video streaming of focus groups into facilities. Okay. And so, you know, this cool thing called the internet was coming on strong. It looked like it was going to stick around. So Gordon brought me in and said, how can we digitize qualitative research? And, you know, we got to doing uh, first live focus groups, text-based, and then we quickly moved to asynchronous uh, bulletin board groups, and that led to communities. But I always had this passion to bring video in because what was lacking from those other tools was be able to have the body language, right? And being able to see people and their reactions when you're having a conversation. And and there were some challenges because the flat screen experience is different than Mm -hmm. sitting around a table, right? So there's a lot of people that were questioning whether you could do it at all. I pushed every at every organization that went after I left Harris and went on to work at other companies. I always pushed that there has to be the ability to use video. And I guess I was a little ahead of my time because just the quality of video was very bad back then. Video streaming, you know, looked like an old fashioned movie. So what I kind of did is as I looked at the opportunity and about the time that YouTube came on strong and people were uploading videos and things like that, I kind of looked at the space and I met my co-founder, actually, Zach Simmons, who was working at Amazon. And he was frustrated on the just the entire process of trying to run qualitative projects around usability. So him and I got together and we said, you know, how can we leverage technology and how can we scale qualitative research? So we took that charge and we went out and we talked to 100 buyers of qualitative. Wait a second. Wait a second. You actually did market research? Yes, we did. (laughs) I know. It's so, so unique in our industry. (laughs) 
But we, you know, we wanted to get it right. And what that taught us, if anything, and I'm going to come back to this a couple of times in our sure. this conversation today, it's really about being engaged with your target audience and your customer. Okay. All right. Yep. And we've kind of lost focus on that. So, you know, we spoke to a hundred buyers of qual. We did one-on-ones with them and said, why aren't you running more qualitative research? And why aren't you doing this online? And they gave the standard answers of, you know, I need to be in the room with them. I have to have the body language and things like that. Well, what if you could do that on video? And then they brought up all the logistics that has to take place. Well, I could use a platform that's out there. You know, back then it was Adobe Connect, and that's what most competitors were using at the time. Right. Right. And but that's a meeting room, just like Zoom is today. That's right. And Microsoft Teams, that's a meeting room. Right. It's not purpose built for really it's general application. Right. Exactly. So we, we took that charge and said, hey, you know, what if we built something that's purpose built for research? And that's what we built. So we started incorporating unique features that would make it easier to surface insights and share that or democratize is the word we use That's today right. yep. with stakeholders, right? Yes. And involve more people in the research process. So we led this charge. And along the way, it's just like anything else. You know, we didn't invent this. There were other people mm-hmm. doing it. And they're all thinking about it in their isolation. But, what you know, I think what we did and we've been able to prove to the marketplace is that you can scale qualitative research if you leverage technology and automation. And you're not going to give up give the go up on quality. The quality is still there. It's still strong. Okay, I'm going to I want to break down going. some terminology here. You're passionate about video. And prior to video, I mean, was it just live streaming? People looked at each other and they kind of did qualitative research, but there was never a recording of it. Help me understand that nuance there. There was a recording of it, but what was not happening, it was that you had to go back and listen to the recording or have someone listen to that recording and create a transcript. Okay. So we built the ability to synchronize the video to a transcript. Got it. So now what you can do on our platform and others is there's keyword search, right? Yeah. So we've taken that one step further and now we've created tagging. So if you know there are keywords that you are going to pick up in a converse, in a, in a focus group or a one-on-one session that you could put those in there and it will surface every time that word is mentioned or highlighted in the transcript. Well, we took that one step further. It also creates a video clip automatically of 30 seconds before they said that word and 30 seconds after they said that word. So now you've, you know, we've eliminated the friction, if you will, of creating videos to put in PowerPoint presentations or highlight reels. Very nice. Uh, So, you know, we, again, we started just looking, how do you incorporate Mm -hmm. the discussion guide, right? Into, because there are people following along, but, you know, a a focus group is not like a survey. It's not a linear, you know, questions, right. Right. You're going with the flow of the respondents, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe something you're going to bring up, you know, 10 minutes into the group comes out right in the introduction. Well, if you could tag that and then find it easily in the transcript, it's going to help you with your analysis. And then there's always those aha moments in focus groups where it's like, that's exactly what I need to tell the stakeholder, or this is what I thought they were going to say. And I want to share this with somebody. We won't get into confirmation bias right now, because that's probably a whole other podcast. (laughs) But, but, you know, like, rather than writing down, you know, Seema said something super interesting at Mm -hmm. 10 minutes into the conversation. I want to go back and find that in the video. Again, we create a, a video clip that is then yeah, can be incorporated into a highlight reel. And you can share that immediately after the group. 
Very nice. So, so it's those features, yes. That makes a lot of sense. It sounds like it creates a ton of efficiency and allows you to really direct your analysis in the way that you want to to see it if you can do keyword searches and tag things. So yeah. I 100% yeah. see the value of that. I want to go back to the 100 interviews that you did of, on Qual. Was price ever an issue? I'm just curious because it seems- Price is always an issue. It's an always price. an issue, right. So are <laughs> right? you seeing, yeah, are you seeing more people do Qual and has have the prices come down because now you're not having to travel in person and talk to somebody and, you know, pay for the M&Ms in the guest yeah. lounge? Sure, sure. So what we've seen, naturally that's the biggest savings is on travel, right? Right. Yeah. And so that's an immediate savings, mm-hmm. but it's also giving exposure to more people to actually participate in the research process because you don't need to travel with right. an entourage of 10 or 15 people, right? Mm-hmm. And junior people in the organization who have never been exposed to research can now watch these, whether they watch them live in a virtual back room or they watch the recordings afterwards. Got it. But it, you get more participation. And also teams that were not exposed to research are now seeing video clips or highlight reels that are shared through an organization. So if anything, it's make it's bringing qual to the surface, if you will, and getting people excited. And I call it the look up moment. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know people stop looking at their tablet or their phone and they're paying attention to that voice of the customer, right? Because that's what resonates. You could put up all the charts that you want yeah. and graphs, but when you put that voice and you relate that to a real person, that's when people listen and take notice. Very cool. I often wonder: Do clients have you ever encountered clients that just say, "I want to do regular qual just to understand consumers on a regular basis"? Like it's not about a specific product feature. It's not about a marketing campaign. It's really just understanding the minds of, let's say, their target consumer on an ongoing basis. Well, that is something else that we weren't expecting to happen, but it did, is that if you can reduce the cost of qualitative research and make it easy to set these sessions up, all right, taking that friction out, then people are more likely to want to use it. And so we've seen this whole, I describe it as a strategy now of customer closeness, uh, customer connects. Every company calls it something different, empathy programs. But just talking to somebody about Mm -hmm. their lifestyle and what it's like to live, you know, in, you know, whether that be Kansas or in the Northeast, right. but you know, the lifestyle is different, yeah. right? And how do I, you know, market to these people? Mm-hmm. And again, it's not, you're not doing structured research where you have a true business objective, but really understanding people at the right. human level. Yep. Yeah. I, I could see a tremendous value, especially during these changing times, right? And even, you know, the lack of, or the presence of, you know, different levels of media literacy and how they shape opinions of consumers on an ongoing basis. It's, it would be very valuable to understand that. Jim, you also mentioned a word that I know you're keen on talking about, and I think it's worth kind of defining before we del- delve into it, is asynchronous. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of what how our listeners should think about that. Well, you know, asynchronous, you know, when you mentioned that, most people think of bulletin boards and communities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Being able yeah. to ask people questions. And there's a benefit for having people think about their answer rather than top of mind, right? right? Or talk to their family members or their colleagues about something and come back. Right. So, you know, we've seen that becoming very powerful. 
But especially, you know, post-COVID when people couldn't do ethnographies, mm-hmm. you know, and go into stores and shop along with people, we've seen this uh, this need to still capture those moments. Mm-hmm. So whether that's unboxing a product, you know, that they receive or the first time they taste a snack or going to a store is them self-recording themselves. I mean, we live in this world of selfies today, I know. right? Right. Yes. <laughs> so people are not afraid to pick up their phone and record themselves doing something and sharing with them. Right. So we see this as a a tremendous opportunity to leverage, say, pre-task with doing some kind of exercise, if you will, and then having a live conversation to talk about what was going on when you were doing those tasks. Also, again, the power of that voice of the customer, we're seeing video open ends in surveys, now you know, our customers want to have them answer those questions via video right? as opposed to just text answers. Yep. And so asynchronous is really when consumers do a task or record something as it relates to an experience, independent of being in a virtual focus group or an IDI, it's independent. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it and gives them the freedom. Freedom yes, to do that. Them. Okay. Yep. Great. I know that you are working on kind of continuing to enhance your platform to be able to enhance capabilities based on what your clients are saying. Give us an idea of where you think, you know, when you think about Qual and your business, where's the evolution? Well, I think, you know, it is a journey, right? And the industry, you know, we're not going to get to, you know, holograms on on tables like Star Wars anytime (laughs) soon, or the metaverse for that matter. But that's, I think it's, interesting to play in that space and kind mm-hmm. of understand what's going on. But I think where we're at today, it's more around knowledge management. So, okay. you know, as you were talking about these customer connects or customer closeness. Mm-hmm. So there may be times where someone in a marketing team has asked someone a question that I need to ask the same question, but rather than going out and doing that, if I have an ongoing program and I can mine those, those videos and find that question that someone else asked, right. I might not have to go and do that research. So, I mean, what I get up and think about every day now is how do I compress the timeline for when my customer or client has a business question that they can get an answer and make a decision? It's creating the long tail for the research. Exactly. exactly. And, it doesn't sit continue. on a shelf in one-time presentation. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So when you think about that question of like, how quickly can I get the answer to my client. And let's say it's new research. You can't mine the archives and stuff. What's your goal? What do you think that should be ultimately? Well, I think the aspirational and nirvana is ours. Okay. okay. I think that's what we need to get to. I'm in a meeting, you know, there's a, a hypothesis or someone throws something out and we're like, let's go talk to some customers and see what they think. Right. Ideally yeah. I can come back tomorrow mm-hmm. and show some video clips of that. Now, you know, there's a lot to contend with there because right. there's recruiting and sample. Again, these are all yes. issues that our industry is dealing with. You know, it's about quality answers too, because mm-hmm. I could find, you know, five people that will talk to me, but are they creative? Are they articulate enough? And do they meet the target audience that I want? You know, and sometimes there's trade-offs. You know, we all, we're all looking for speed and everybody wants something, you know, better, faster. Right. But what we see is that there has to be trade-offs. Yeah. We're trying to minimize those trade-offs. And we've, my, myself and working with our operations teams, we've put in some secret sauce to be able to kind of get the better quality respondents. And that's what's important, especially in qual, is people yeah. that will open up. Yep. Right? And I think right now, I mean, I find that communities play in that space as well, right? Where you pre-recruit people and you try to get instant feedback for, not instant, but let's say very quick feedback for a specific question. Do you see that as different? 
No, I was going to say, I feel like we're complementary. Okay. We're both okay. going towards the same goal. And what we're seeing is communities now are, are have a video offering. You know, back in the day when communities first came out, what I was involved in sometimes we'd fly to a city yep. and we'd host a dinner yeah. of community members, right? Mm-hmm. And they got to know each other on a personal level and that actually helped engagement. So now you don't have to do that. Right. You know, with, with video technology, you're able to host these virtual sessions. Or if there's a thread that, you know, people are particularly engaged in in a community, you know, maybe you want to have a live discussion because then you could really you know, have that deeper conversation and ask those two or three follow up questions while it's top of mind for them. So we're seeing, you know, you know, on Tuesday afternoon, hey, here's a link. We're going to meet at 7 p.m. You know, everyone on this thread is invited. Right. And so they're pre-screened. You already know, have some information about their thought, their, right. their conception, and then, you know, bring them together to kind of just move that decision along. And what's the value that you see for participants to participate in qualitative research? Like you can talk to them directly and you probably yeah. you know, have talked to thousands and thousands of people who participate in qual research. What are the common threads? I think it comes down to is that they feel like they're being heard, okay? Right. And someone is interested in them. Mm-hmm. We see time and time again, people say, I really enjoyed this experience and I want to do it again. Okay. Right? You know, I know, don't at me for this, but it's like, they don't feel the same way after doing surveys, okay? Yes, they're yes. just like, they're just happy to get through that survey, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But people really enjoy, and people are looking for connection in life mm-hmm. right now, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a way that you show that a brand whether it's identified or it's just a category that you're talking about, but that category understands me or gets me. Right. And you bring up a great point about connection. I mean, obviously COVID really impacted, let's say in-person qual just because of safety measures and people shifted to going digital for doing more qualitative work. Have you seen that those clients remain on digital or are they shifting back to online, uh, back to in-person? I would say a majority are staying online. Okay. There are certain times you need to be in a room with people right. and do that type of work. All right. And, you know, I've heard, you know, again, C-suite people saying, I never want to get on a plane and sit in the back room again. Yeah. Now, because they've probably traveled to, you know, a thousand groups themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And they're tired of doing that. But at the same time, there's, I think what it exposed everybody to is that you are going to get the answers that you're looking for and mm-hmm. you can make a decision. And you don't have to travel to do that. But again, there are times you need to be around a table. If it's a workshop of some sort or if it's sensory, right. absolutely. You know, yeah. face-to-face work is not going away. That's for sure. Yeah. It just brings back memories. When I was at IBM, we did focus rooms around the globe. And like 20 of us would be traveling yeah. from city to city. And it was like you were gone for two weeks, not really... You can't really do too much when when you're doing all that traveling and and listening to focus groups. So the digital option is, or the online option clearly is much more efficient and quicker. Oh, I say chase the sun. So we're doing groups in Asia in the morning and finishing up in the U.S. at night. So they were covering six countries in one day, right? And getting Mm -hmm. that work done. Again, compressing that timeline to make a decision. So let's talk about mechanics of how somebody can execute research on your platform. Give us an idea, like, are you running the projects? Is it DIY? You have partners that connect into the platform, so on and so forth. Great question, Stephen. So uh, the way I looked at this is is that we need to take the friction out of qualitative research. So we tried to make this a self-service model. 
That was the vision. Right. What we found is that people need some help in doing that. So yeah. we see, we see like pretty much like you see with other methodologies that there's the self-service sector mm-hmm. that is, you know, DIY, then mm-hmm. it's do it with me. They want some help and coordination, mm-hmm. right? And then there's other clients that come to us and they want the full service, right? Traditional. So we try to play in all three of those spaces, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. And give what is needed to actually execute on the work. Now we're self contained. So we're a tech company first, mm-hmm. first and foremost, that understands qualitative research, right? Okay. And it has our roots in research. But, you know, ultimately what we're seeing is a shift, though. You know, pre-COVID, we did a lot of full service work. Okay. Now, the onslaught of, you know, after March of 2020, we started seeing the do it with me. But now we're seeing an explosion of DIY. Right. Especially with the agencies. Right? They love this because it's a quick way for them to not have to worry about anything but concentrate on the research process and not have to worry about logistics. That makes perfect sense. And I would imagine that the customer journey for your clients could be very much like, okay, let me show you how to do it. Now I'll work with you. And oh, by the way, now you're empowered to go run it on your own. Exactly. That's the path that it has been. And what do you work directly with brands or is it primarily agencies? Yeah, we work, I would say it's split about 50-50. Okay. We have brands. We work with corporate researchers, right? Who are, yeah. are you know, tasked with doing inside projects. We work with their agencies when it's outsourced because they want an agency for for strategic reasons mm-hmm. and understanding the you know, history of the brand and things like that. So we see a combination of both. So it's not just one or the other. Okay. And so we could have, we can engage with a brand and work with them on certain projects, but then other times they'll say, hey, work with our agency on this one. Got it. I'm going to change courses for a second. Uh, clearly you're passionate about qualitative research and you know your career has been largely dedicated to it. In order for somebody to consider qual research as a profession, what attributes do people typically have or should think about if they're considering you know, moving into the qual space? Definitely. Uh, if they're going to moderate, I'd say you have to be an extrovert, right? You okay, have to yes. you know, put yourself out there. <laughs> yep. You have to be very curious, right? Yep. And you have to remain objective, I think, yep. through the research process. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think the biggest skill set it's, you know, because I see this all the time is mm-hmm. people's like, oh, how hard can it be? You're just asking some questions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's not what people say. It's what they don't say. Yeah. And being able to ask those follow-up questions. That's yeah. the skill set. That needs, you know, that's where the art comes in as opposed to the science. So having those skills are critical. Yeah, I, I think qual research would be, it's obviously, even if you're an extrovert, it's a lot of work because you got to be is. on your toes, you got to stay balanced and you got to be adaptive to questions. But my personal opinion is, I think it would be a very enjoyable profession to be a moderator because you get to meet all kinds of people. Yeah, is that you do. Yeah. And you become, you know, a subject matter expert on a lot of different categories. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to put that due diligence in to understand it. Yeah. Right. If you want conversation at a cocktail party, invite a moderator. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's fascinating what you guys are working on. And I look forward to keeping in touch and learning more. Okay. Always ask why. Thank you. Yeah. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling 
programming and hosting services or consultation, we are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.